You'll turn to Philippians chapter 2. I want to read verse 14 through 16. I want to talk tonight about conquering complaining. Conquering complaining. Along with our Bible reading this week, if you had a uh, little bulletin, we've been reading 2 Timothy, uh, the four chapters each day. I've been reading through the book of Philippians some this week as well. And when I got to these verses, the, God, uh, the Holy Spirit just began to deal with me. Because there's times in my life, if I'll be honest, I can gripe. I can complain. And I can fuss about things not going the, the way I want them to go. How many can be that way? And so I began to just felt led of the Lord to go in this direction. And I talk about conquering, complaining. Because it's a big deal. We might think it's something small, something minor. But when you look into the Word of God, it's something major. It's a big deal. God considers it a big sin. So let's look at Philippians 2 beginning at verse 14 through verse 16. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Conquering, complaining. Once upon a time there was a man that wanted to become a monk. So he went to a monastery. And while he was there, he was told that part of his training involved learning the virtue of silence. He would be allowed to say just two words every seven years. So after the first seven years, the man was called in allowed to say his two words. So he, is, he said, food bad. Seven years later, his two words were, bed hard. Finally, after a total of 21 years, the man said, I quit. The bishop who was in charge then, then responded, I'm not surprised. You've been complaining ever since you got here. As Americans, we live in a culture of whiners and complainers. We're the most blessed people on earth and we're also among the most unhappiest people on earth. We live in one of the greatest nations in the world and yet we seem to be the most discontent people in the world. And if we be honest, all of us complain about something sometimes, don't we? We'll complain about the slow driver in front of us on the highway or the slow moving line at the checkout or the slow service in the restaurant. Also, who among us doesn't complain from time to time about our government or the weather or the price of health care? That'll get you complaining, won't it? And there's a good chance that most of us have already complained about something at least one time today. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but you've probably already griped and moaned about something today. 
But then you have those that are chronic complainers. Chronic complainers, they gripe, they complain, they grumble from the time they get out of bed until the time they go to bed at night. I've known some people like that, and you probably have too, that, that a chronic complainer, nothing's ever good enough. Nothing's ever fair enough. Nothing's ever right enough. Nothing is ever satisfactory for them. And so they chronically complain and grumble. But here's what's so sad. You've got a lot of believers, a lot of Christians that are chronic complainers. Everywhere they go, they spread their complaints. They spread their murmurings. They spread their gripes. They complain at home. They complain at work. They complain in every store they shop at. They complain at every restaurant they eat in. And they even complain at church. I've known those kind of people. It's too hot, it's too cold, the music's too loud, the music isn't loud enough, the preacher preaches too long, he preaches too short. The preacher should wear a suit, the preacher shouldn't wear a suit, and on and on the list goes. People complain. But whether you are a casual complainer or a chronic complainer, tonight's message is for all of us, including me. Everyone here needs to hear this message and I believe the Holy Spirit is going to deal with us about our complaining and our griping. And so in our text, the Apostle Paul, he gives the Philippian believers as well as us three reasons why we shouldn't complain. Number one, don't complain in order to obey God. We shouldn't complain in order to obey God. Do you remember when your kids were young and you tell them, don't do that. And then they'd ask you this question, why? You know how you responded? Because I said so. That's why. So why shouldn't you and I complain? Because God said so. That's why. Look at verse 14 again. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Notice that little word there at the beginning of that verse. It's do. That is an imperative. That is a command. And what does Paul say do? Do all things without complaining. If Paul had said do some things without complaining, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Or if he had said it's okay to complain, just try not to overdo it, that would be even better, wouldn't it? But that's not what God says in His Word. God says in His Word, do all things. What does all mean? It means all. All things without complaining. And when He says all things, He means all things. That means you're to do your work without complaining. Do your chores without complaining. Fulfill your responsibilities, your obligations without complaining. Here's a good one. Pay your taxes without complaining. I hate tax season. There I am dropping. But I'm supposed to pay it without complaining. You should eat your meals without complaining. But how many times does somebody sit something in front of us? Well, I didn't want that. When there's people around, and, and here's what we did to our children. Don't you know there's people around this world starving to death? But yet we do the same thing as adults. Well, I didn't want that. Why couldn't you fix something else? We're to serve others without complaining. We're to come to church 
without complaining. We're to do all things, do everything without complaining. But if we be honest tonight, you know why we grumble? Do you know why we complain? It's because we see grumbling and complaining simply as a bad habit. But can I tell you, in the eyes of God, complaining, grumbling, griping is a sin. And it's not a little sin, it's a big sin. It's a major sin. It's not just a bad habit that you have to break. It's a sin that you need forgiveness of. It's a sin that we need to repent of. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9 through 11. It says, Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. Now look at this. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as an example for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Paul's talking about the children of Israel and he said that they were destroyed, they were killed because of their grumbling. If that doesn't tell us how serious God takes the matter of complaining, I don't know what else does. You know why many of the people of Israel didn't go into the promised land? Complaining. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They want to go back to sit around the campfire and eat the leeks and the onions. But here's the thing, they forgot they were slaves. Let me give you some reasons why complaining is a sin. Letter A, complaining is a sin because it is an attack on God's sovereignty. Complaining is a sin because it is an attack on God's sovereignty. Every time you grumble, every time you complain about your circumstances, basically you're saying, if I were God, I would do things differently. You see, when you complain, you're demonstrating that you've forgotten that God is good and you're not. Listen, God is in control. God is God. You're not. And when you're complaining, you're attacking the sovereignty of God. Let her be. Complaining is a sin because it reveals a lack of trust in God. You see, when you complain about the situation you're in, you're saying, God, I don't trust that you'll provide all I need to get me through this situation. When, you're, when you complain, you're saying, God, I don't trust you enough to meet my need. Complaining reveals a lack of trust in God. Let her see. Complaining is a sin because it reveals a spirit of selfishness. When we grumble, we start airing our grievances about the things we don't like. And we air our grievances that things aren't like we want them to be. And so it doesn't matter what others may want or what might be in the interest of others. It's all about what I want. You see, when we complain, it's all about me, myself, and I. And I'm going to complain until I get what I want. It's what little kids do. They have temper tantrums, so they can try to get what they want. Well, guess what? A lot of adults have temper tantrums, so they can try to get what they want. It shows nothing more than you're selfish. Letter D. Complaining is a sin because it reveals a spirit of ingratitude. It reveals a spirit of ingratitude. It shows that we're ungrateful. It shows that we're not thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I've told you this before. If you want to know what the will of God is for your life, in everything give 
thanks. But here's the thing. If God has commanded me to give thanks and everything and all I do is whine and moan and complain and bellyache, then I'm sinning against God. Right? If He says everything, give thanks, and all I can do is complain all the time, I'm sinning. I'm being disobedient. Letter E. Complaining is a sin because it reveals a spirit of discontent. It's a sin because it reveals a spirit of discontent. Philippians 4 verse 12. Paul writes, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You see, God desires us as His children to be content. Whether you have a lot or a little, God says He wants us to be content. That doesn't mean our circumstances are always going to be pleasant. That doesn't mean everything's always going to go our way, but by faith we can be content with where we are because that's where God wants us to be. Also, we can also be content with what we have because if God hadn't given it to us, it means God doesn't want us to have it. Amen? Let me just settle something here. If you don't have something, it means God doesn't want you to have it. So be content with what you have. Be content with where you are rather than griping and complaining. But yet when we complain, we're sinning against God because we're revealing that we're not content with our lot in life. That's why people go out and do foolish things. That's why people go spend money they don't have to try to keep up with people that can care less. Not content. Letter F. Complaining is a sin because it encourages a complaining spirit in others. It's like a chain reaction, you know, when one person gets to griping, everybody else will get to griping. When one person starts complaining, everybody else wants to start complaining. You remember back in the Old Testament when Moses sent the 12 spies out to survey the promised land? That when they came back, 10 spies, they spread a bad report. They complained about the giants in the land. They said, hey, we can't go in there. We can't overtake them. We can't possess the land. And so they complained about how they couldn't take the land. They complained against Moses' leadership. They basically said, hey, Moses is out here leading us on a wild goose chase through this wilderness. And the complaints of those ten spies quickly spread throughout the whole Israelite camp and they rebelled against Moses' leadership. And God got so angry with their complaining that he sent a plague to kill those ten spies and then everybody that was 20 years old and up didn't go into the promised land because of their complaining. The next time you start to complain about something, you need to remember that complaining is contagious. Complaining breeds an atmosphere of rebellion, division, and disunity. And listen, it stirs up the anger of God. You want to know why some churches don't get blessed? Why God don't move in some churches? There's a complaining spirit hanging around. And when you've got a complaining spirit, all you're going to have is the chastening of God. 
come into your life. All you're going to have is the discipline of God show up if you complain all the time. So we don't complain in order to obey God. Paul says do all things without complaining. And so if we want to obey God, we shouldn't complain. But number two, don't complain in order to grow in godliness. Don't complain in order to grow in godliness. We shouldn't complain as the people of God if we want to grow in holiness, grow in godliness. If we want to live sanctified, set-apart lives, we shouldn't be complaining people. Look at verse 15. He said, Do all things without complaining and dispute. Now notice the first word there. That. That's the reason you don't complain. You could put a little word so there. Some translations actually add a little word so. So so that you may become what? Blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, chronic complaining hinders your spiritual growth. Chronic complaining also reveals that you're spiritually immature. And it keeps you from being the man or woman of God that He wants you to be. Notice Paul refers to us as children of God. But here's the thing. We're to be more than children of God in name only. We should, we're all supposed to just walk around saying, I'm a child of God and then not live like a child of God. We're to be children of God in practice. Now, we're supposed to live and act like a child of God. And that means we can't complain all the time. You see, to be a child of God and to be a chronic complainer are totally incompatible. You see, a mature child of God, a person who's growing in their faith will not be a chronic complainer and a chronic complainer is not a mature child of God. Listen, if you grow up in Christ, grow up in your faith, you'll stop grumbling all the time. I think about Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas. They've been falsely accused, falsely arrested. They've been, they've been, they've, uh, been beaten. And they don't write. They don't complain. But the Bible says at midnight they begin to pray and sing praises. Why? Because they're mature. Let most of us get falsely accused. We're going, we're going instead of calling on God, we're going to call the lawyer. How about Job? And one day he loses everything. The Bible says he fell down and he worshipped. He didn't curse God with his mouth. Naked I came into this world, naked I'll leave. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Why? If anybody had a right to complain, Job did. But he was strong in faith. He was mature in faith. He'd grown in his walk with God. Let me just ask you tonight. What would happen if you lost everything you had tomorrow? How are you going to respond? How would I respond? We'd be honest, we'd probably do a lot of complaining if you're not strong in faith. Listen, if you're still where you were when you got into this thing 15, 20 years ago, you're going to do an awful lot of complaining. And you're going to do an awful lot of blaming God. Why? In fact, Job's wife said, curse God and die. 
But around Job 13, verse 15, he said, Even if he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's a man who is walking with God. Even if he takes my life, I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to have hope in him. Paul talks about three areas that we can grow if we'll discipline ourselves not to complain. Notice letter A. He said we will become blameless. We'll become blameless. That word blameless, it doesn't mean that we'll be perfectly sinless. Listen, we live in flesh and blood bodies. The only way you'll stop sinning is when you leave this world. But being blameless means you practice holiness. You live your life to be above reproach so that no charge or accusation of sinfulness will stick. You see, this points to our outwardly observable behavior, including our attitudes. You see, nothing in our lives should give an occasion for scandal. In other words, unbelievers shouldn't be able to look at how we live and then say, I thought he was a Christian. If he's a Christian, how can they do that? That's what it means to be blameless. You don't want any kind of charge to stick to your life. You don't want an unbeliever to say, look at you and say, hey, how can you do that? You want to be blameless. But can I tell you, if you're always complaining, they can bring all kinds of charges against you. And you won't be blameless. He always tells us this next, we will become harmless. Letter B, we will become harmless. This word means innocent or pure without a mixture of of evil. It, it, it's a word that when it comes to, to, to wine not being mixed with water or some kind of precious metal not having any impurity in it. it is, it's a word that focuses on inward moral integrity. It focuses on, focuses on what we are in our thought life before God. You see, it's possible to put on a good front at church but to be leading a double life. You say, you can be an upright person at church, but behind closed doors, be a totally different person. You say, you can be an upright man in church, but behind closed doors, look at inappropriate things online. You see, we should be free from wrongful actions, but we also need right hearts before God. Because here's the thing, it's not just a matter of what's on the outside, it really matters what's on the inside. Jesus said this in Matthew 15, verse 18, 19. He said, those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. Can I tell you, God looks at the heart. You see, we look at the outside and we can paint up the outside and make the outside look very good, but God always looks at the heart and so we've got to practice being pure in heart and in mind. So what does this have to do with complaining? You see, you may not complain outwardly, but you're bitter inwardly. So God's always looking at the heart to see if it's pure. He's looking at the heart to see if it's unmixed with sin and evil. So we'll be blameless, we'll be harmless, but let her see, we will be without fault. This is a combination of the previous two words. It means without blemish, spot, 
or defect. The New American Standard Bible says, above reproach. That should be how we want to live our lives, isn't it? I want to be above reproach. I don't want to do anything to bring dishonor or shame to the name of Jesus. I want to be without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. I want to live in such a way, and you should want to live in such a way that your character doesn't get called into question. That's how we're supposed to live. But if you complain all the time, if you gripe all the time, if you grumble all the time, guess what? Your character will get called into question. Your spiritual growth will get called into question. If you are a chronic complainer, listen, you open yourself up to all kinds of criticism. Hear me well tonight. If you have a reputation for being a chronic complainer, you'll be labeled as divisive, a troublemaker, a whiner, a bully, and probably some other names that aren't fit to say in the church or outside the church. And here's the thing. Once you get labeled, you can't break those labels unless you do one thing and that's stop complaining. I don't want to be labeled as a troublemaker. I don't want to be labeled as divisive. But people who complain all the time, they are troublemakers. They are divisive. Just think about it. You've got them in your family. And they're difficult to be around. You know, you, you see them coming, it's like, I want to go the other way. Because they're hard to be around. They have that reputation. Listen, that shouldn't be the reputation we have as believers. Let me say this before I move on. If you feel like that you're wandering around in a spiritual wilderness, if you feel like you're going round and round like the children of Israel did in the wilderness, you feel like you're not making any progress in your faith and in your walk with God, that you aren't going anywhere, it's probably because you gripe all the time. Probably because you are a complainer. You're just like the children of Israel. And you're not going anywhere. And as I've already said, when you gripe all the time, you're going to invite the chastening and the discipline of God into your life because He's going to try to correct that and get that out of your life. And He does it out of love. He does it because He wants you to change. Let's look at point number three. Don't complain in order to witness to unbelievers. Don't complain in order to witness to unbelievers. This is a very good reason why we shouldn't complain and why we shouldn't gripe because we want to be effective witnesses to those that are lost. If you want to reach unbelievers, if you want to reach people that are far from God, a great way to do that is stop complaining. Amen? Look at verse 15 again that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, notice this, without fault where? In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world.
pictures the world here as a dark place and we as believers are lights in the world. Notice he says the world is crooked and perverse. That word crooked there, it's a very interesting word in the Greek. John MacArthur, he said this about the word crooked. It's the word from which we get the English word scoliosis, that, that curvature in the spine. That's where that word comes from, or the English word crooked. It describes something that is deviated from the standard, which is true of all who stray from God's path. How many understand we're living in a crooked world? A world that is deviated from God's original plan. That it's not where God intended it to be. But he also says that the world is perverse. It's corrupt. It's wicked. Another word for perverse, it's twisted. It's depraved. You see, the world is a very dark place. The world's a very wicked place. The world is a very hostile place. And this world has every kind of evil that you can imagine. Why? Because we're living in a time where people do not acknowledge God. And so that leads people to complaining, but all kinds of other perverse sin. You've got idolatry, sexual immorality, homosexuality. They disobey authorities. You've got murder. But they also approve of all these things. In fact, Romans talks about they invent all kinds of evil. Why? Because they refuse to acknowledge God. But we as believers, we should shine as lights in the world. You see, even though we're in a dark world, we should shine as lights. You see, our lives should reflect the light of God in this world. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so, so, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They, sh they should see how we live and be drawn to God. They should glorify Him. Listen, we don't let our light shine so they can glorify us. We don't let our light shine so they can pat us on the back and talk about how good we are. But that our light should shine so they can glorify God and be pointed to Him and Him be exalted. You see, as we live a lifestyle of light, it will affect other people. They'll be drawn to Christ. They should look at us and see a difference. And one way they'll notice a difference is if we don't complain about everything that goes wrong. You see, unbelievers complain all the time. And if we want to reach them, we've got to stop grumbling. We've got to stop complaining. You see, the primary way we live as lights in this world is by not complaining and not grumbling. Let me just say something to you. Why would somebody want your Christianity and want your Jesus if you grumble all the time? Shouldn't Jesus make us better? Shouldn't Jesus make us more peaceful and more happy and more joyful? But yet if all we do is gripe around the time, if all we do is walk around all the time and say the world stinks, do you think they want what we have? I don't think they will do. And let me just say this, if you go around all the time with the attitude that the world stinks, listen, the problem's not with the world, the problem's probably with you. It's not that the world's bad and it's only going to get worse. Listen, you've got to learn how to find some good even in the midst of all the bad. And God's good. Amen? Being a chronic complainer, it dims our light and hinders our Christian witness. 
Being a negative Christian causes people to say, Jesus isn't for me. How would you like to stand before God one day and Him say to you, because of your complaining, people rejected Jesus? That because of your griping, because of your moaning, because of your grumbling, maybe your kids and your grandkids didn't want Jesus. That hit home? That, that, that strike a nerve? Because I promise you, your kids, your grandkids are listening. And I promise you, the world's listening. If you go work a job and all you do is complain all day for eight hours, they're listening. If you complain about your boss and talk about him behind his back, I promise you, they're listening. Hear me, believers, we're supposed to be better than them. And I don't mean get on a high horse and act like you're better than them. But listen, our behavior is supposed to be better than them. Our, our words we speak are supposed to be better than theirs. We're supposed to speak good and not evil. Our words are supposed to be seasoned with grace. A complaining spirit, it's a bad testimony for Jesus. And if all you do is complain and grumble, basically you're saying to the world and saying to unbelievers, God is not a good and gracious God. So I want to ask you tonight, are you shining for Christ? Because it is implied in the text that we are supposed to shine like lights in the world. Which leads me to a very pointed question. We need to ask ourselves if we're not shining. We need to ask the difficult question, are we actually believers? If we're not shining, maybe we need to search our lives to find out if we really know Him. Because we should be shining. Amen? Shining what we do and shining what we say. Or don't say. Because sometimes the best thing you do is not say anything. Especially if it's dropping all the time, just don't say anything. Let me close. All of us have a choice. You can choose to ignore God's Word and go on being a chronic complainer, knowing that you're being disobedient to God, that you're hindering your own spiritual growth, and that you're damaging your Christian witness. Or tonight you can choose to obey God's Word and make a commitment today Stop being a chronic complainer. So it leads to the question, how do you stop complaining? How do you stop grumbling? Well, that's what I said the topic of the message was tonight. Conquering complaining. How do we do it? Let me give you some things in closing. Number one, you have to admit that it's a problem. Listen, you can't conquer something you won't confront. Let me say this. You have to admit that it's a problem for you and not somebody else. Because it's easy for us to point out somebody else's fault. It's easy for us to point out somebody else's griping and somebody else's grumbling. But we don't want to sleep on our own rug, do we? 
you got to admit that it's a problem. Let me ask you something. If somebody were to make a secret recording of your life this past week, what would it reveal about you? More specifically, would it show that you spend a lot of your time griping and complaining and, and basically saying life stinks? What if they recorded everything you said? Would you be a complainer? If so, you've got to admit it's a problem. Number two, you have to accept responsibility for your own life. have to accept responsibility for your own life. You see, complaining is often an attempt to blame other people for problems that we've created ourselves. For example, I may, I may have brought the problem into my life. I may be the cause of it. But if I can complain enough, maybe I can shift the focus to somebody else and make myself feel just a little bit better. Isn't that what we do? Proverbs 19.3 says this, A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. A person's own folly leads to their ruin, but yet their heart rages against the Lord. You see, there's a lot of people, they'll commit sin and continue in it, but when they start reaping the consequences of their sinful choices, their sinful actions, they're quick to blame other people, and they're quick to blame God for their situation. But I like what somebody once said. They said this, don't complain how the ball bounces if you're the one who dropped the ball. Don't complain how the ball bounces if you're the one who dropped the ball. Listen, if you're the one who created the problems in your life, you have no right to complain about what you're going through. If you created the mess, there's no right to complain. You've got to accept responsibility for your own life. Number three, develop an attitude of gratitude. Listen, it's hard to complain when you're grateful. It's hard to complain when you're being thankful. Develop an attitude of gratitude. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18 again. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Notice that in everything. You may not be able to be thankful about all that you're going through, but in everything you can be thankful. That means in the storm and in the valley and all the troublesome times, you can learn to be thankful. You just got to have the right perspective. You see, learning how to be grateful is a tremendous antidote for complaining. And so whenever you find yourself complaining, you have to understand you're usually being ungrateful. Think about it. When you're grumbling, you're being ungrateful. So every single day, you've got to make a choice to focus on either the negative things in life or the positive things in life. So I ask you this. Is the cuff half empty or half full? just depends on how you look at it. It comes down to perspective. See, the thing is, God's been good to us. God's blessed us. And you've got to learn how to focus on your blessings and thank God and have an attitude of gratitude. Number four, 
Practice speaking positively. Practice speaking positively. Complaining, it can be a bad habit. And habits are only broken when they're replaced with something else. So you've got people who have habits and they just try to stop. But the best way to break a habit is to replace it with another habit. And so you've got to work to eliminate any negative complaining and replace it with positive speaking. Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Paul is saying there, watch what you say and don't let any junk come out of your mouth. Speak only words that will encourage and help other people. So here's the thing. You've got to work on replacing your complaints with compliments. I like that. Instead of complaining about someone, learn how to compliment them instead. Instead of speaking negative things, learn how to speak positive things. Replace the negative with the positive. Listen, you can find something good in everybody if you'll just look. So focus on the positive. You know, the Bible tells us this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Learn to be positive. Number five. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. You've got to surrender to the Holy Spirit. In the book of James, the third chapter, he tells us about the danger of the tongue. He, he said it's a world of iniquity. He said it's set on fire by hell itself. He said it'll destroy your life. And he said that all kinds of beasts and reptiles can be tamed, but no man can tame the tongue. That means you and I can't get this thing under control by ourselves. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why I believe that one of the, the, the main evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit of God will speak through us. It will change our language. Because we can't tame this on our own. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what you have to understand when it comes to complaining... You're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit, help me get my complaining and my griping and my grumbling under control. And here's what I would invite you to do. I would invite you to pray, Holy Spirit, convict me every time I begin to complain and help me to speak something positive instead. Help me to be grateful instead. Because you need that. I've prayed this week in preparation for this. I've prayed just this afternoon before church started that God would convict us of our complaining. And that when we begin to gripe that the Spirit of God would tug at our hearts and help us overcome this. And so I ask you tonight, as the Holy Spirit in some way maybe spoke to you. Maybe tonight you need to repent of your griping and your complaining. Because we all do it.
Some of us more than others. But it shouldn't come out of our mouth. That's not the character and nature of a believer. James talks about fresh water and bitter water can't flow from the same spring. I'll just say it like this, whatever's down in the well, that's what's coming out. And if Jesus is down in the well, if Jesus is down in there, all the complaining and bickering shouldn't be coming out. Because He's been too good to us for us to complain all the time. Because I can promise you this, no matter how bad things might be in your life, there's somebody who has it worse. I mentioned before as we opened up service, Brother Danny didn't get good news today. Listen, I can sit here and complain about my back hurting. But yet he's laid over there with not much time left. Listen, my back doesn't compare to what he's having to fight. I can complain about, man, I don't have the newest shoes out there when there's people who don't have feet to put shoes on. I can complain about, that's not the food I want to eat for dinner when there's people who had not eaten in days. I can complain about, man, all I do is wear the same old stuff over and over again when there's people who have to wear the same stuff for weeks and months on end. That's the only outfit they have. I feel His presence. If we'll be honest, God has been so good to us We've become spoiled. We think that somehow God owes us something. And when God doesn't do it the way we want Him to, or He doesn't answer the way we think He should, we complain. And we forget about all the times He's done before. Hear me well, and I'm going to close this, and if God ever meets another need in your life. If He were to never answer another prayer for any of us, God has blessed us abundantly and beyond comprehension. And just to know tonight that I don't have to go to hell. That I don't have to spend eternity separated from Him ought to be enough to cause me to never complain again. So my prayer tonight is that God will do something in our hearts. That He'll weed out the bitterness and He'll weed out the grumbling and the griping and replace it with gratitude. Because He's been too good. He's been too good. Stand with me.